Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Now I'm going to hand over to Simon. Thank you. Thank you. I've got a little bit of a cold. I'll be in the low registers today. Um, hopefully you'll be able to hear me still. So we're, uh, we're moving through our spirit-led living series. If you remember this graphic, the idea behind this graphic was the raindrops. I want you to think about how often it rains quite a lot in the UK. And, um, you know, God's presence is, is almost like the rain. It's so, it's so prevalent. It's so expansive. It touches everything. Uh, Maybe next time you see raindrops on the window of your car or raindrops on the window of your house, just think about God's kingdom coming and God's presence touching everything. And, uh, and we get to be part of that wonderful, wonderful kingdom journey. So uh, Jesus said, my father's always at work and I'm, I'm trying to discern that work. I'm trying to see what the father's doing and that's our job. So, um, so yeah, maybe next time it rains, just use that as a trigger to think about God's presence and how God is touching things touching you, touching the people around you. We spent a few weeks, haven't we, looking at learning to listen. Uh, we spent a few weeks in the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4, and we looked at that whole narrative of how Jesus was describing a new, a new day, a new normal. The kingdom was coming, was, had arrived with Jesus' presence, and God's presence was no longer restricted to geography or specific religious places like temples. It could be found anywhere. And God was looking for a spirit-led people, a spirit-filled people, a people who would connect with him by his spirit because he is spirit. We looked at the importance of vulnerability in responding to God, taking the risk, stepping out, responding to the leading of the spirit, even when it feels uh, scary or it feels risky. You know, We get the stories when we step into that gap that God invites us into. And we looked at the story of Peter going from this, uh, this spirit-led person to this stumbling block in a matter of moments, how, how he had this revelation of who Jesus was, and then he got in the way uh, of, of the Spirit's leading and thought he didn't need the Spirit anymore to lead him, and, and he went from being this spirit-led person to a stumbling block. And how we talked about how part of letting the Spirit lead us is getting out of the way. He's trying to put ourselves second and allowing the Spirit to lead first. And we also looked at God in the whisper, how it's really important to actually have solitude and silence in our lives so we get to recognise the voice of God in the crowd. We saw in the life of Jesus that he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Even when the crowds were trying to find him and hunt him down, he was away in solitude with the Father, trying to kindle that recognition of the Father's voice and the infilling of the Spirit. And... uh, We talked about how it's important to be able to hear God in the whisper, even in the busyness of the crowd. So if you missed any of these talks or Jake's talk last week about expectation, as always, now on Church Week you can get them, on the website you can get them, or by podcast you can pick them up. So I want to continue this theme, uh, this section we're in now really. We're calling um, expect to be used. The next next couple of talks, expectation, expectation. Do we wake up with a sense of expectation that God is present in our lives and God wants to use us and partner with us on a daily basis. God isn't a Sunday God. 
He's a seven-day-a-week God, and he wants to connect with us and use us wherever we are and whatever we're doing. And today I want to look at what feeds into our expectancy, what makes us more or less expectant. What is it that kind of influences and factors that in? And I want to start by looking at a very short account uh, in John's Gospel. So you've got your Bible with you. You can turn there, John 1, the first chapter, and we'll put the words on the screen uh, as well. We're reading from verse 43. It says, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angel of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? We first arrived in this area four years ago to this weekend. So um, when we first arrived here, we had no idea what the area was like. We had no idea what the different districts or the boroughs or the towns. And so we go around and we'd ask people about different parts of the county. And we got some really interesting responses. <laughs> you know, the people in Whitstable didn't have a high opinion of Herne Bay. Boo. <laughs> they had a less high opinion of Stud Hill. Boo. What do you think came up the worst in terms of opinion around here? Sheppy. <laughs> Sheppy got the worst rap. Don't go to Sheppy. Don't cross the water to Sheppy. You'll never come back. Don't go... Poor old Sheppy. Sheppy Sheppy was like, can anything good come out of Sheppy? No, is the answer. No way. All sorts of weird and wonderful stories about the people on Sheppy. Well, people on Sheppy. And so poor old Sheppy got this terrible, terrible rap. And, um, you know, we were amazed at how people's opinions were formed about different parts of the county. And it seems from this text that Nathaniel had a similar view of Nazareth as many people did of Sheppey. You know, can anything good come out of Nazareth? He had this really poor opinion of this small Galilean town. We don't know why his expectations were so low. They're not revealed in the scriptures. But um, he shows us that our expectation can flow out of two things. can flow out of two things. I think it can flow out of our perspective and our prejudice can really influence our expectation. And when we think about our perspective, we can think about things like our, um, our theology and our identity can really influence our perspective on something. Our theology, what we think about God, and our identity, what we think about ourselves. When I was a young follower of Jesus back in my early 20s, I worked with another guy who was a follower of Jesus. 
But he had a different perspective to me. He was what I now know to be a cessationist. Now, a cessationist believes that the gifts of the Spirit ended at the end of the apostolic age. So when all the apostles died, the gifts of the Spirit died with them because the church had been formed and the church was finished. Now, I was a young believer and I was very excited about all the possibilities about what God could do. I was reading the Gospels and seeing all the works of power, healing by John Wimber. And my perspective of what God would do and could do was completely different to his perspective. He had more of a sort of stoic attitude. The church was like a bastion that kind of had to survive until the end of the age. It kind of had to sort of pull the drawbridge up and sort of survive and and repel the advance of, of the world and somehow survive to the end of the age. Whereas my perspective was the kingdom was advancing and taking back ground and we were plundering the enemy and we were... And and transformation was happening. When we were on the advance, we were on the leading edge of what God was doing. And so that meant that I believed that God wanted to use me as part of that kingdom advance. And so we had these differing perspectives, and it really influenced the way we saw our daily walk with the Lord. And our understanding of theology is really important when it comes to our expectation of what we believe God will do with us on a daily basis. In the vineyard, we have, a, we have an expectation around the kingdom of God, an understanding around the kingdom of God, a theology of the coming kingdom. I'm going to quickly unpack that today, just to recap. So we, we can see or believe that there's two realms coexisting there's the earthly realm, the present age that we live in. This is the, uh, the natural bit of the naturally supernatural. This is the part that we experience every day, the normal, the earthly realm. And coexisting with that and, and coming in is the future age, the, the heavenly realm. When Jesus said, let your kingdom come and your will be done, as he taught the disciples to pray, he was drawing and reaching into the future age, the heavenly realm, the, the fullness of the kingdom. And these to exist simultaneously. And when Jesus came, he, he inaugurated the kingdom. He launched the kingdom. He arrived and said, the kingdom of God has come upon you. When I heal you, when I cast out demons, the kingdom of God has come upon you. The, the future age broke into the present age and the kingdom began to advance and there was healing and transformation and good news. The good news is, the gospel, the good news is, the future kingdom is coming. The future kingdom is coming. Jesus said in Luke 4, 43, I must preach the good news, the kingdom of God, to the other towns, because that's why I was sent. So Jesus came declaring the inauguration of the kingdom. So there was power to heal. The forgiveness was, was there. People could be reconnected with the Father. Jesus sent out the disciples in Luke 10. He said, when you enter a town and you're welcomed, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near to you. And so this is about kingdom perspective. And the fullness of the kingdom will only happen when Jesus returns again. Scripture tells that Jesus will return and the fullness of the kingdom will come and this present age will end and the future age will be here in all its fullness. It's like when you go out for a meal and you have a starter. You're, you're living in expectation of the main meal, aren't you? The main event. You've had your starter, but you're now looking forward to the consummation, the fullness of the main meal. 
So Christmas, you have your few bits, of, bits and pieces. You're looking forward to your main Christmas dinner. You're looking forward to the main event. And so this is what we look forward to in Scripture. We look forward to the consummation of the kingdom and the fullness of the kingdom coming. For the moment, we live in this interim age. We live, we live in, the, in between the two ages where evil is still present and the kingdom is breaking in. These two things are coexisting side by side. So when we pray, let your kingdom come, your will be done, we're saying, God, can you draw down from the future age into the present age? Can you bring the, the healing and the, and the restoration of the future age into the present age? Because the future, future age will be a time when there's no sin, there's no pain. And we look forward to that time. But the moment these two things coexist side by side. And why is this important? Because... Well, it changes our perspective. This is how we understand the kingdom. We live in this time in between the two. We live smack bang here, in between the two. This is the age of the church. This is the church age. And the church age isn't just we establish church and we pull the drawbridge up and we hold tough until Jesus comes again. The church age is the advance of the kingdom. The church is an instrument used for the expansion of the kingdom. And the church is made up of us. (laughs) Nobody else. Us. So we become these kingdom agents. We become these people who have expectation that God is going to use us. And so when we say, come Holy Spirit, we say, God, will you bring in the future into the present? And that theology alters our perspective. It changes our expectation about where and how God can use us. And so if we have this perspective, when we say, God, come Holy Spirit, when we say, let your kingdom come, we expect some of that future deposit to come down into the present, through us and in us. And so when I pray for someone, I pray my eyes open because I expect some of the kingdom to come on that person. I expect to see some of that future age present itself in the life of that person. And so theology is really important because we either believe the church is sort of stationary and stoic or we believe the church is dynamic and expansive and we get to be part of it. And that affects our expectation around whether God will want to use us and minister through us. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 1, when you believed, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And this Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So when you believed, or if you believed, you receive a down payment of the future in the form of the Holy Spirit. That's the promise to every believer, whether you think you're charismatic or not. You receive a deposit of the Holy Spirit into your life. And you're now part of God's master plan to bring in the future age in all its fullness. I didn't sign up for that. Well, you did. Because when you you gave your life to Christ, you died, you're hidden in him, you become part of God's master plan. The church is God's manifold wisdom, it says in Scripture. It's his best idea. You're God's best idea. You're God's best plan. 
whether you feel like it or not, when you wake in the morning, you're God's best idea, you're God's best plan. And he's put this deposit of his Holy Spirit in you for you to act as a conduit to bring in the future age. And that's what we see time and time again in Scripture, Jesus sending out the 12, sending out the 72. Go, declare the kingdom is near. Go, heal the sick. Go, declare the gospel. Tell people that they're forgiven and can find connection with the Father. You become this conduit of the Holy Spirit. You're now part of God's master plan. And so this perspective is a really key part that will influence your expectation. Amen? Because if you wake up in the morning thinking, oh, I'm a kingdom agent, then it changes your idea about whether or not God will want to use you that day. Because you, you see yourself as part of God's extension, part of God's coming kingdom. So that's our perspective. Prejudice. Prejudice. Okay. This simply means that we come with preconceived ideas and biases. We all carry these things. Prejudice means to prejudge. You've, you've, you've determined the outcome ahead of time based upon your internal beliefs and ideas. And we all carry these around with us. They come from our backgrounds, our upbringings, our understanding, the teaching we've been exposed to, the people we've hung around with. We've all got the internal biases or preconceptions that we carry. And they set limits or boundaries on what we think God can or can't do or will or won't do. They are our preconceived ideas about God and how God could and might work. So Nathaniel, back to our story, had these preconceptions, preconceived ideas about where God could come from, where the Messiah could originate from. So when Philip comes to him and said, we've found this God, we've found Messiah, he's come from Nazareth, Nathaniel was like, no way. No way could the Messiah come from Nazareth. That's just not going to happen. He got a bias or a, a prejudice that said, no, that's not where the Messiah was going to come from. He's like, are you joking? That's not how God would do it. That's not where God would come from. And as we read the Gospels, we see Jesus continually changing and challenging the bias and the preconceptions about what people thought God could and couldn't do. He intentionally healed on the Sabbath. He knew it would violate the religious law of the time. But he said the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. So he said, you've got it wrong. Your understanding of Sabbath is wrong. I'm going to challenge your bias and your prejudice. I'm going to deliberately get up in your face and I'm going to challenge it and show you actually that God is bigger than your preconceptions. He went straight to the heart of the Pharisees. He said this to them. He said, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. And so the Pharisees were biased around the scriptures and the Torah and believing they so fully understood them and had the revelation of them. They couldn't realize the very person they pointed to was standing in front of them. Their bias and their prejudice blinded them. We have a lot more revelation now than the Pharisees had. We have the epistles and all the New Testament writings. They only had the Torah and the Psalms. 
We have so much more revelation in our hand, yet we can still have preconceptions and biases around how we believe God can and can't work and what he will and won't do. And we have to recognize that we all carry these. We've all got them. Everyone's window has got a shade on it. No one sees through the window completely. We've all got a bias or a prejudice, a tint on our window of life that alters the way we believe God can work and can't work. And so we need Jesus continually to come and to reveal to us and challenge us and change us. The scripture says the Spirit will lead us into all truth. The Spirit will lead us into all truth. The Bible won't lead you into all truth. Sharp and take a breath. The Spirit will lead you into all truth. And so we need the continual revelation of the Spirit to lead us into truth. It says in Romans 12, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The message puts that translation in a different way. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from the inside out. So we need to allow God to come and challenge us and change us and show us where our limits are, show us where our preconceptions are, so we can expose ourselves to more of God and live our lives with kingdom expectation. Because if you wake with a certain bias that God won't use you in a certain way or can't use in a certain way, that will really limit your expectation on a daily basis. Back to Nathaniel, be like, well, no, God wouldn't, wouldn't move that way. God wouldn't come from that direction. This is my Nazareth, and God definitely isn't here. But in our story, Nathaniel is rescued by Philip. Philip doesn't try and argue with him. He says, just come and see. Come and see. And he takes him to meet the person of Jesus. And we have this strange discourse that takes place. Jesus sees him approaching and says, this man's an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. And Nathaniel says to him, well, how do you know me? And Jesus says, well, I saw you sitting under the fig tree before Philip called you. And then we have this crazy response from Nathaniel. Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. What on earth is going on here? I saw you sitting under a fig tree. Bam, you are the son of God. You see people under fig trees, therefore you must be the son of God. What on earth is going on here? And I used to think perhaps... You know, Nathaniel's fig tree was in the middle of a desert and he could see for miles around, so therefore no one could possibly observe him. And Jesus kind of hovered in the spirit over him and saw him prophetically. And therefore, when he declared this, Nathaniel somehow felt that Jesus had seen him from... I thought, wow, I don't know. But what you need to know is about a prophecy that happened in a book called Zechariah in your Bibles. Zechariah was a prophet who lived about 500 years before Jesus was born. And he prophesied about the return of the exiles uh, to Jerusalem and the rebuilding of the temple and the coming Messiah. And um, he had dreams and visions about the coming kingdom of God and about the coming of Jesus. And he wrote these down 500 years before Jesus was born. And in Zechariah 3.8, he speaks of the coming of Jesus in this way. 
He says, I am going to bring my servant the branch. Strange term, the branch. Like a branch growing up from the stump of Jesse, like an offshoot of a a lineage. He's going to be a branch. What's this got to do with Nathaniel's reaction? Well, Nathaniel would have known about the writings of Zechariah, who would have been familiar with these ancient writings, these prophetic writings. He would have known this passage. He would also have known, bizarrely, that the word for Nazareth is branch. Okay, it's netza. So the word netza means branch, and it means Nazareth. Okay, so suddenly the pennies were beginning to drop for Nathaniel. I'm going to bring my servant the branch. The branch has come out of Nazareth, the branch. It goes on to say this, though, and you'll now start to see the connection. Zechariah 3.10, In that day, each you will invite your neighbour to sit under your vine and under your fig tree, declares the Lord Almighty. When Jesus said, I saw you while you were under the fig tree, Nathaniel would have gone, oh my goodness. On that day, the branch will come and everyone will be sitting under vines and fig trees. And he has this extraordinary revelation, this coming together that shatters his perspectives and his prejudices and suddenly he realises he's in the presence of the Son of God. This fresh revelation completely changes his expectation of who the person is that Philip's invited him to come and see. He's now standing in the presence of Jesus. What I love about this story is it's Philip who rescues Nathaniel from his cynicism. Isn't it? We all need Philips in our life to say, just come and see. Just come and see. Because sometimes we get stuck in our stuff. We get stuck in our bias. We get stuck in our perspective. We get stuck in our theology. We get stuck in our past, our experiences. And sometimes we just need a, a Philip to say, well, just come and see. Just, okay, I know, I, know you're, I know you're hurting. I know you're in pain. I know you don't believe. I know whatever. But just just come with me. Just come and see. Let me take you into the presence of God. Let me take you. We need Phillips to invite us into the presence of God. We've all got those people in our lives. Sometimes they wind us up and they annoy us. They irritate us. But we need those people to say, okay, just, just come. Just come and see. Just come into the presence of God one more time. Come and get fresh revelation into your situation. Come and see. And so Philip, he invites Nathaniel. And Nathaniel has this incredible moment of revelation about who it is that's come out of Nazareth, the branch, who saw him under the fig tree, the fulfillment of the prophetic word, that this is the time of the Messiah. This is the time of the coming kingdom. And then Jesus said this incredible thing to him. He says, you believe? Because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You'll see greater things than that. Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You'll see greater things. That's the promise to every believer who's part of the kingdom. You will see greater things. You'll see greater things. Yes, you believe I'm the Messiah. Yes, you've had a revelation. But guess what? You're going to see heaven opened. You're going to see the future kingdom being poured into the present age. That's what this means about angels ascending and descending. It's like there's a stairway 
been opened between heaven and earth, and the two are now connected because the kingdom has begun. The kingdom is arriving. It's been poured forth upon the earth. And that changes everything. It changes our expectation. It changes our understanding. It changes our belief that God can use you and me on a daily basis to act like this conduit that brings down the kingdom. Nathaniel nearly missed all this because of his perspective and his prejudice. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And what's your Nazareth today? What's your Nazareth today? What situation do you look at and think, can anything good come out of that? Perhaps it's a person. Perhaps it's a relationship. Perhaps it's a situation. Perhaps it's a mindset. Can anything good? And Jesus said, I can show you a fresh revelation. I can give that expectation to you again. We all need to come and see and rediscover Jesus for ourselves. You might be so familiar with this that you're missing the person of Jesus. The Pharisees could drive a nail through the scrolls of the Old Testament and tell you every single word the nail would hit on the way through the pages. That's how well they knew their ancient writings. But they still missed the person of Jesus who was standing in front of them. Every signpost pointed to him and they couldn't see him. And sometimes our perspective around church and religion and even Jesus obscures the reality of the Spirit of God at work in our lives. So we need to come and see. We need to allow the Spirit to invite us, friends to invite us back in to the presence of God so we get to see the greater things. If your revelation starts with you're the Son of God, you're the King of Israel, it's going to change your expectation. It's going to change what you expect on a daily basis. You're going to wake with fresh expectation that you're this kingdom conduit that God wants to use to bring in the future age. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.